Take your Bibles, head to the Christmas story, Luke 2. It's been several years, in fact, way back in 19 in my first year here when we were in Luke 2 and I did this series on the first Christmas carols. Well, I want to do something the next few weeks that really focuses us on joy. Uh, Two weeks ago, I asked the question, has the Grinch stolen Christmas? And I said that you have to figure that out for yourself by examining your will, your words, and your ways, or your mind, mouth, motions. Remember that. And then last week, remember your first love over in Revelation 2. And I said, Jesus always knows our works for him, and our works for him must be motivated by love. And if we've lost our first love, we're called to remember, repent, and respond. Go back and do the first things. That's good marital advice too for us. But for the next two Sundays, I'm going to focus on joy. Next week, a joyful journey. On Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the second part of this story, the last part of this story. We have the children with us. There's preschool ministry back there, but we'll have a special sheet for the kids to follow along. They'll get something to help them. I know that can be a challenge for families with little kids, but we'll make it easier for you. And remember, there's going to be carols. There's going to be candles. There's going to, well, LEDs. There's going to be communion. There's going to be all of these things that we celebrate next week. We're going to do it all in the morning time. And for the first time in a decade, we're actually going to have some family time without coming back that evening. It's not because we don't want to come back, but it's asking a lot of our team when we're already doing the two mornings. And so 9 and 10.30 next week, make sure you're you're in for one of those and invite some folks to be with you. Um, I just want to focus on this this idea of joy. It seems like in our world there's maybe a pervasive lack of joy sometimes. And when we think about the Christmas story, And this, of course, this narrative we read every year in our house. I guess we've done it for coming up on 30 years. We read it every year, the Christmas story. And this never gets old. And it should never get old to the child of God. You know, you know the elements of this story. You know what the shepherds are doing. You know what the angels says. You know how they respond to go worship. And... Yet I think sometimes in these narratives that we hear over and over and over, we can kind of miss the big picture. So today I want to reset and just see the big picture. Why is it that we can have joy this year and all year? Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. I'll read 1 to 14. I'm really just going to focus on 8 to 14 this morning. The Bible says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. That may be translated taxed for you. It was a registration for taxation. So you had to go back to your homeland. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Now, don't miss that Mary would have more children, but this would be the only Christ child. This would be the only child of the Spirit of Almighty God and Mary. And so she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths or Most of us grew up hearing clothes, so I'll just change it to swaddling clothes. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Or that good old King James we grew up with, they were sore afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Heavenly Father, we love this story. We've seen it. It's been depicted in so many ways. Probably every house represented here has a nativity scene or two somewhere. And Lord, I pray today that you would give us fresh eyes to see Christ. Give us fresh ears to hear the story of his birth. And help us to remember why he came. Thank you for what you're doing here. I'm amazed. I am in awe, even in the, the first hour as we celebrated more baptisms of more students, as we have quite a few next week on Christmas Eve to celebrate, as we're seeing life change every single week, we are so thankful. Bless this service, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so why can we have joy? Why? And some of those children just now. Joy. Aren't you grateful to be in a church that has the kids screaming here or there? I would, I tell you right now, people used to ask me, Pastor, are you disturbed by babies and children? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? I've been in churches back in the day when I used to travel and sing. I've been in churches that look like funeral parlors, sound like funeral parlors. Everybody's sucking on lemons, mad to be there. I want some life up in here. Let them scream their heart out. I wear a microphone, buddy. I can get louder than any kid in the room. We can have joy because Jesus came to all the world. And I want you to remember this about kids too. Jesus went to where they were and brought them to where he was and took them up in his arms and loved on them. So we should do the same. He came to all the world. Look at 8 and 9. They were in the same country. That means in Bethlehem because, of course, we know that Joseph and many say also Mary through her lineage. They were of the house and lineage of David. Jesus would come through the tribe of Judah. David was in the tribe of Judah. And David was anointed at Bethlehem. And so it's interesting. Now, the first people there were not the Magi, not the wise men from the east. They come later. That's another sermon for another day out of Matthew 2. But the point is, the very first witnesses to the birth of Christ, maybe animals, we don't know. That's all speculative. We just believe they were in a stable, a cave-like structure most likely. When we go to the Holy Land, that's what we see at the place of the nativity. But um, we, we believe there were animals there, of course, because there's a, a feeding trough. It's called a manger. We often see them of wood. It was very likely of stone, but it had hay in it for this precious little child. And the angelic announcement of the birth of Christ came first to these shepherds. Now, I know you've heard this, but let's remember, not nobles, not kings, not princes, not important leaders in society, essentially lowly shepherds. I mean, they still are today. You can go to this part of the world and still see shepherds with their sheep 
roaming the countryside. It's very, very hard to get enough food for your land animals, and so you typically are nomadic. You eat here for a while, and then you go forth. But in and around Jerusalem, particularly tiny towns of about population, maybe 200 in the time of Christ, in those days, these were known as places where sheep would graze. They were incredibly rural, and so they're out there doing their thing. And when I think about where the angelic announcement came, it just reminds me that Jesus came for everybody. The first worshipers of the Christ child had very little value in the eyes of the world, but tremendous value in the eyes of God. Now, of course, there's this great reaction that they have to the angel. The angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they said, oh, isn't he cute? Look at his little chubby cheeks and his cute little wings. Do we ever see that reaction to an angel in the Bible? Never. What is the most common reaction to an angelic visitor in the Bible? Ah, these dudes are terrifying, man. These are part of God's angelic army. Now, I'm not saying that, that we might not encounter angels in other ways. In fact, in January, to whet your appetite, we'll talk about entertaining angels unaware. But in this case, they are terrified. I never understood sore afraid. Like, are they hurting? Are they in pain? But really what we have in the Greek is two words put together. And they repeat the word, two variant forms of phobeo, phobeo. It's where we get the word phobia. Unfortunately, the world has hijacked the word phobia and they use it incredibly inaccurately. In other words, they'll look at folks who believe in biblical morality related to sexuality and they'll say, oh, you're homophobic or you're transphobic. No, that means fear, fear, fearful of. <laughs> no, we're not. I have one major phobia, it's called arachnophobia. And if you ever do something to come at me with that, I'm gonna pray that God will infest your armpits with the fleas of a thousand camels. Leave me alone, don't mess with me when it comes to spiders. That is a true phobia in my life. And I promise you, if you mess with me, I will find your phobia and I will exploit it to the nth degree. But these folks feared a great fear. In other words, they were terribly terrified. That's the way we might say it today. We would use part of the same word, terribly terrified. How would you feel if you were out in the field, minding your own business, hanging out with your co-shepherding buddies, and all of a sudden, and you get this light and this angelic being? And it's interesting because they're not dreaming, right? They're not hallucinating, they're not sleeping. They are watching. They are doing what shepherds do. Good shepherds pay attention. And when is the most vulnerable time for a sheep attack? Night. Any of you coyote hunters out there, if we, I'm, I'm a coyote hunter, you know that the latest rage is thermal hunting and imaging and or early, early, early morning when the sun is coming up or as the sun is going. Now, we know that that's when the coyotes move the most. That's when you'll hear them. That's when they'll raise the hair on the back of your neck. And we know that the enemy often comes in the dark. And there's a lesson here. Keep watch. Keep watch. Christ is coming again. Don't be asleep. This is not about hallucination. Be watchful and be ready. And so the angel says, calm down, fellas. Don't be afraid. For behold, look, pay attention. I got something important to tell you. I'm going to bring you good news. Evangelizo. It's where we get the word evangelism or evangelical. Good news. I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. 
kara, joy, gladness, happiness. Kara, megas. You know the word megas, right? You know what it means for something to be megas. Typically, people wouldn't look at me and say, he's a mega guy. No, our three Vikings last night, they were mega boys up here. I mean, those are some big dudes, right? And so he's saying, look, these are mega joy. I'm going to bring you something that is huge. It is great. Verse 10, the angel announces this good news, that's evangelistic message, of mega joy is to be to what? All people. Now, I wrote in your notes, think about John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the, the world. Does that include you? Does that include me? Everybody's included. God so loved the world. Everybody has an opportunity to know God through Christ. I mean, when we see the beggar on the street corner, do we remember that God came for all, that Jesus came for all people? When you think about the drunk or the drug head, the addict, the prostitute, do you remember that Jesus came for all the world? He didn't come just for the privileged nor the powerful, not just the wealthy nor the white. He didn't come just for the American. Jesus came for all the world. The song doesn't say joy to some. It says joy to the world. Let every heart prepare him room. I love this story. It's by a guy named Pastor Clifford of Louisville, Kentucky. Clifford Stewart was his name. And he wrote this years ago, he talked about giving his parents a microwave oven one year for Christmas. And here's how Pastor Clifford recalled the the gift. He said, they were so excited that they now too could be a part of the instant generation. And when my dad unpacked the microwave and plugged it in, literally within seconds, the microwave transformed two smiles into two frowns. Even after reading the directions, they couldn't make it work. And you know what I thought about growing up in the VCR generation? What time was it at your house all the time? 12 o'clock, right? (laughs) In my house, it was perpetually 12 o'clock. And nobody in the house could ever figure out how to make the VCR record or put on the right time. Well, these folks were frustrated. Pastor Clifford continued his story. A couple days later... My mother was playing bridge with a friend and confessed her inability to get the microwave to do anything. To get this crazy thing to work, his mom exclaimed, I really don't need better directions. I needed my son to come along with the gift. I thought, that's a good word. You don't just need better directions. You need the one who can show you. Well, I want to remind you That when God gave the gift of salvation, he did not only give us a book of instructions, though this is an amazing book of instructions and so much more. But God, in addition to the book, gave us his son. The son is the greatest gift. And Jesus shows us the way. So when people want to talk about, but how can I really know God? When you know Jesus, you know God. When you see Jesus, you see God. Jesus said, I and my father are what? One. When you see me, you have seen the Father. And I don't have time to unpack all that that really entails regarding Trinitarian theology, but God the Father is God. 
And God the Son is God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. They are three distinct persons in one unified triune Godhead. We have an utterly unique God who is with us, Emmanuel. And in here in Luke's Christmas story, he's saying this child came for all people. God came to live among us. In John 1.14, we read that he tabernacled, pitched his tent and dwelt among us. This is the God that we know and love and serve. He made himself understandable. Jesus came to all the world. Second thing, Jesus came as the promised Savior and Lord. Now, all through those words I've underlined for y'all, those are important words. Promised, Savior, and Lord. Let's unpack it. 11 and 12. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, that's a promise word, the Lord. A Savior who is Christ, the Lord. Now, when we talk about the city of David, again, it's Bethlehem. About five to six miles south of Jerusalem, Samuel anointed David there, and it's known for its agriculture and its fields, and it's very rural. In fact, Bethlehem means house of bread. It's always fascinated me that the bread of life was born in the house of bread. And we read in Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem, now think about this, guys. Don't miss this. Hundreds of years before Jesus would be born. A tiny, tiny town, a blink, a dot. I mean, certainly Carnes has more than 200 residents, right? And, and we have, you know, uh, how many, are we up to 14 donut shops now and 27 storage units? I don't know. They referenced that in the play. I thought that was hysterical. But, um, you know, you can get all the donuts you've ever wanted and you've got a place to store them if you don't want to eat them right away. It's incredible around here. And, and, and neighborhoods developing. It's beautiful. But the thing is this, 400 plus years before he came, the prophet said, but you, Bethlehem, Though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come to me one who will be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from old, listen to this, from everlasting. In other words, the prophet is saying that the Messiah, the anointed chosen one of God, will come from this little town. So when you sing that carol this year, O little town of Bethlehem, that is true. A tiny, tiny place, a dot on the map. Nobody thought of Bethlehem. But Mary and Joseph traveled back there for this census to register for, again, later taxation. There was a little girl upon hearing the Christmas story and the fact that there was no room for them in the inn. She said, you know that's all Joseph's fault. He should have made a reservation, right? But no Verbo, no Airbnb, no call aheads. And we, of course, assume that there were animals around because of this manger, this feeding trough, this little place that they would have almost like a perfect little bassinet. And notice the three words the angel used to describe the Christ child. He said he's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's unpack it. A Savior, soter. It's where we would get the word soteriology if you're studying theology. It's how is one saved? A savior, a deliverer, a redeemer, because he's God's anointed. Luke 19.10, it says that the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But don't miss this. He is Christ. Greek, Christos. Hebrew, Messiah. Same, same word, 
just across different languages. It's not his name, it's his title. He's the chosen one of God, the anointed one of God. Jesus the Christ, the Christ child, the long-awaited, promised Messiah. Now, every couple of years at Christmas, I do this. What I'm about to do, I do this because it's so important. And I've only pulled out, man, a handful in your notes, a handful Most scholars tell us there are between 250 and 300 fulfilled messianic prophecies in Jesus. In Jesus, hundreds of years before he's born in the Old Testament, and then coming into fulfillment 2,000 years ago through his birth, we have the promise of Jesus the Christ child. And then all the way through his life, death, burial, resurrection. But listen to a few. Genesis 49.10, all these in your notes, all these in order. Genesis 49.10, the Bible says the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. I've already told you, Jesus did. Micah 5.2, we just read it, the Messiah would be born in a little obscure place called Bethlehem. Jesus was. Isaiah 40 and verse 3, the Messiah would be preceded by a messenger. Jesus was. What was the messenger's name that made the crooked places straight for Jesus? There you go, John the Baptist. Isaiah 7.14, the Bible says the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Mary checks that one off. Zechariah 9.9, the Bible says the Messiah would enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey, as did Jesus. Daniel 9.26, the Bible says the Messiah would be rejected by men. Of course, Christ was rejected by men. Psalm 41 and verse 9, the Bible says the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. Who betrayed Jesus? Judas Iscariot, good. The Bible says, in fact, this one's fascinating to me. Zechariah 11, 12, and 13, the Bible says the Messiah would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver precisely. How much did they pay Judas? 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah 53, 3, the Bible says the Messiah would suffer and be rejected. 53, 5, the Messiah would be beaten and wounded and pierced and striped. Not only that, the Bible says the Messiah would minister in Galilee, speak in parables, be silent before his accusers, spat upon and beaten, have his side wounded, yet none of his bones would be broken. He would have his hands pierced. He would have his clothes gambled for. He would be crucified with criminals. He would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And maybe my favorite of all, Psalm 1610, the Bible says that the Holy One, the Messiah of God, would not see corruption, meaning his physical body would never decay. And I'm here to remind us this Christmas that the body of Jesus would never see decay because on the third day out of that rich man's tomb, God called Jesus forth and he lives forevermore. Now that's just a hint. Yeah, that's good. Guys, that's just a hint. That's just scratching the surface. But he's more than Savior. He's more than the promised Messiah. This is the one we don't often like to live by. He's also Lord. Now, please don't miss the fact that Jesus is not only the Savior in Christ. He is Lord. The angel says, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Not a Lord. The Lord. And you really can't have Jesus as Savior without having him as Lord. He is both. You don't just take Jesus saves me from sin and hell. You take Jesus saves me from sin and hell, creates a place in heaven for me, and I follow him as Lord of my life. And I've said many times you can't put no and Lord in the same sentence. 
If the Lord Jesus impresses upon you through his word or through a sermon, through a study, just through prayer that, hey, you should go, you need to go help this person right here. And you say no, then he's not really your Lord, is he? I mean, if you tell him no and he's asking you to do something, then he ceases to be Lord of your life in that moment or in that situation. You see, Jesus came to this world not just to give us faith and hope, though he certainly did that. Jesus came to change everything, to change the way we live and function in this world and the next. And how will the shepherds find this one who is Savior and Messiah and Lord? Well, look, now don't forget, they're not getting a star yet. That's for the boys in the east. That's for those wise men, those magi that are coming over sometime later. These guys, the first witnesses to the Christ child, they find something very unusual, a little baby, wrapped in rags, strips of cloth, swaddling cloth, lying in an animal's feeding trough. Remember, the town is tiny. It would have been swollen at the time because of the registration that we read about, but the town is still tiny. And so these boys walk into town, and I know the the nativity story and all the movies and all the imagery, we see the light shining down, but Just follow with what Luke 2 is telling us. They're going to find a little baby in peasant rags. Because the first time he came, that's how God chose to send him. Now, I just need you to stop for a second, guys. you got to process this one with me. The Bible says nothing was made that was not made through him. That through Christ, all of the worlds were created. He is the agent of creation. And yet the Bible says that when he would be made known to us, it wasn't with gold and diamonds and splendor and majesty. The one who spoke it all into being, the one who holds the entire universe and all the stars in the very palm of his hand would come through the young virgin's womb and the first thing he would feel on his flesh after his mother and father's hands would be strips of linen, rags, and hay. It just reminds me that Jesus came for us all. The king of kings, a precious lamb laying amongst the lambs. Mary had the little lamb who lived before his birth. Self-existent son of God from heaven he came to earth. Mary had the little lamb see him in yonder stall. Virgin born, son of God, come to save man from the fall. Mary had the little lamb, obedient son of God, and everywhere the father led, his feet were sure to trod. Mary had the little lamb crucified on the tree. Rejected son of God, he died to set men free. Mary had the little lamb, they placed him in the grave. Thinking they were done with him, to death he was no slave. Mary had the little lamb ascended, now is he. All work on earth is ended, our advocate to be. Mary had the little lamb, mystery to behold. And from the lamb of Calvary, a lion will unfold. And when this day star comes again, of this be very sure, it won't be lamb-like silence, but with the lion's roar. 
You see, this story is not complete unless you understand God in flesh. That's who we see when we see Jesus born to die, born to be the sacrifice to take our place, to hang there at Calvary's tree for you and for me to be buried in that rich man's tomb as the Bible said he would be, to have his clothes gambled away for just as the Bible said, and yet three days later, death could not hold him down because he wasn't just the Christ child of Christmas. He's the conquering king of the universe. The Bible says that one day every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I am saying to you, do it now. If you wait, it's too late. Trust Christ now. John 1:12. as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Don't wait. Give Christ what he wants for his birthday. Man, give him your life. Give him your eternity. Christmas is hard for a lot of us because we're gonna have an empty chair or two or more at the table. Christmas is hard for a lot of folks. And sometimes in the joy, we lose sight of the fact that, man, this thing called death is painful. And while family and friends gather together, this person's missing this year. And mark my words, somebody at the table this year will be missing next year. And if you want to know that you can have a heavenly homecoming, and that there's a great reunion coming as long as they were in Christ and you trust Christ. This is temporary, my friend. This is just for a short little season, a blink, a vapor, a grass, where a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. It's hard to believe it's my daddy's seventh Christmas with Christ in heaven, but it'll be a blink of an eye when we'll be celebrating his birth together. It's just a moment. Just a moment, because Jesus came to all the world. He came as promised Savior and Lord. And don't you forget, and this is a short point because I'll pick back up next week. Jesus came for God's glory and our good. Don't miss that. Suddenly there was with the, multi the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth, peace, goodwill, toward men. I love this. This is great. With that singular angel, there's a multitude. The multitude is a word you know. The multitude in Greek is plethos. Plethos. It's where we get the, the word plethora. So if you want to sound smarter, don't say, hey, there's a bunch of angels that showed up with that one dude. Say, there was a plethora of angels. Makes you sound smart when you know words like that, right? It's like doctors. They sound smart, but it's just other languages and words they put together. Let's just be honest. And so there's this plethora. And, and then there's another cool word here. Uh, it was heavenly host, stratia. It's where we get the word strategic. Strategic or strategy, or as George W. said, strategery. Okay? And so you have this strategic plethora. The way we might translate that today, and it would be a fair English translation, there's an angelic army. An angelic army. Think about that. 
with this one angel, now the sky is full of angels, praising God, proclaiming glory to God in the highest. But you know, if you saw an army appearing on the horizon, or especially if you saw a heavenly army appearing in the heavens, that might be terrifying. But look what I've written here. This should be your last thing. This angelic army of God is not announcing war, but proclaiming peace. An army normally comes forward with bad news. But the heavenly host had wonderful news. And they're praising God. I mean, what else should we be doing when we think about Emmanuel, God with us? And they're saying, Gloria, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, or could be translated toward men of goodwill. But the point is that Jesus came for the glory of God and the good of people. All people, everywhere. It's why I've never understood prejudice, racism, bigotry, hatred. Man, if you claim to be a child of God, don't you know that everybody you see is equally made in the image of God to you, to me? No matter how they look, no matter how they sound, no matter how much they have or don't have, God made every human being in his image. Everybody deserves a chance to hear about the God who made them and the God who loves them. And Grace Baptist Church, we're going to be a place where whosoever will may come. Now, when they get here, if they're a heathen, we want them to come to know Jesus, okay? We want them to be saved and transformed. I'm not saying come just as you are and stay just as you are. I'm saying come just as you are and let Jesus change you from the inside out. And let the chaos of Christmas turn into the calm of Christmas. And let the Prince of Peace Fill your heart with his peace. You see, it's the birth of Jesus that changes everything, guys. We were all alienated from God. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both one, that means Jew and Gentile, one family, and he's broken down the middle wall of separation. Y'all know there used to be a wall, multiple walls in the tabernacle and the temple, a big, huge, giant veil that separated the average guy from Almighty God. But in Christ, all of that was done away with. If there's a wall between you and God today, you put it there. God didn't put it there. Jesus tore the walls down. That's why the prophet Isaiah called him the prince of peace. And I would ask you, do you have peace in your heart this year? Do you know the Prince of Peace amidst all the busyness? Remember, if you want peace and joy, listen to this acronym. I know you know it, but the kindergartner in the room can understand this. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. I promise you, if you'll live by that principle of joy, Jesus, others, yourself. If you keep that order in your life this year and all year through, you are going to experience blessing and joy like you never have. Uh, Chuck Swindoll in a book, it's a pretty good book called Growing Strong. Years ago, he said, how about giving something that will outlast a return policy? <laughs> he said, mend a quarrel, dismiss suspicion, tell someone I love you. I know, I know. You say, well, I'm showing them. Well, tell them too and show them. Give something away anonymously. Forgive someone who's treated you wrong. 
Turn away wrath with a soft answer. Hey, if you haven't tried this lately, you ought to do it. It'll bless you. Visit someone in a nursing home. Apologize if you were wrong. I'm going to add to Swindoll, even if you weren't wrong. Go ahead and be the bigger one who will come and and say, you know what, I want to make men's here. And it's, be especially kind to someone with whom you work or study or play. Give as God gave to you in Christ without obligation or reservation or hypocrisy. Remember this, guys. Jesus came to all the world. He came as the promised Savior and Lord. He came for the glory of God and the good of man. Now I want to close with something that came to me. It's been over 15 years ago. It went viral back in its day um, because the clip was shared and shared and shared. There used to be a satellite system called Sky Angel. And Sky Angel broadcast Christian programming, uh, like Christian radio, all over the nation. And you could tune in, get a subscription. And there was a little fellow out in the sand hills of Nebraska. If you've never been, it's a beautiful part of our country. Uh, we were hunting there with bow and arrow a few years ago, filming for a TV show, me and my buddy. And that's when we got the American pronghorns. We both were successful in that incredible hunt. But walking those hills and seeing all those cattle and the cattle farmers, we actually stayed in the home of a, of a, a cattle rancher. And this little boy grew up in that kind of setting, just ruled as rule can be. And he had just turned 13 years old. His little voice hadn't changed yet. But he experienced something tough. And little Logan, who they call the Sky Angel Cowboy, you can look him up. And I would encourage you, because God has used this kid as he's grown into a man in marvelous ways in his life. But he would call into this radio station rather frequently. He was listening from Nebraska. The station was housed in Texas. But because of that Sky Angel network, he could listen. And he had faced something kind of tough. And I, I'm just going to say this. Listen, this little fellow's theology may not be just 100% on point at every turn. Could you please promise me to eat the chicken and spit out the bones? You don't need to email me about his soteriological nuance that he missed. Just get over it and listen for what it is. It's a kid that's experiencing something tough. And I'm going to tell y'all, I think there might be more wisdom in this little fella than in most of us most of the time. I hope this blesses you as it blessed me years ago. Listen to this clip. Hey, Mike, can I talk to you? You bet, Logan. What's up? I want to tell you something that God just told me. Okay. Last night, my dad was roping this calf. And this calf had been born from a really old cow. She she didn't have really the greatest milk. She didn't have, like, the vitamin C and stuff. Okay. Hold on. Mom? So cute, I guess his mom's talking to him. I'm talking right now. I'll be up in a second. But, sorry about that. But anyway, she broke her back. And this morning I went out and put her down myself. I was talking to God. I was asking God why she was special. And God said, you know, Logan, but my son was special. But he died for a purpose. It's kind of the same thing. That calf was close to me. And 
God's son was close to him. Logan, you're you're so right. It's true. Think you're gonna be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. But I just wanted to tell you guys that that is so important. Just remember when you lose a loved one or a pet. Always remember that God gave his son too, and he understands. He will always understand. He will always just run to him. Logan, you're wiser than you know, buddy. Oh, sometimes I don't think I'm wise. I, trust me, I've done a lot of stupid stuff, but I've learned from it. <laughs> yeah, but see, buddy, that's what makes you wise, somebody that learns from their mistakes. Oh, I just figured I'd better call and share with you guys. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. I don't care how much stupid stuff that little boy's done. There's a lot of wisdom there. And I fully recognize that for some, there's a lot of pain that comes along with this season. And Blue Christmas actually aligns with where you are. But I would remind you that you can have a joy that goes beyond your loss and your circumstance. Because if you know Christ, this is just one page of a million. And when your time comes and the page is turned, that's when real life begins anyway. And so if you're not ready for what's next, why wouldn't you settle it today? Why wouldn't you be sure today? Because the stuff we deal with just won't matter in a hundred years or Even a million years from now, as our student or our men's pastor Brian likes to remind us, it just won't matter in a million years. But whether or not you know and trust Jesus is going to matter. Logan said that little calf was special to him, and upon her delivery, that calf broke her back coming out of that older cow. And he was in pain because of that. But God found a way to show that little guy comfort and wisdom. And again, you don't have to agree with every nuance of everything that kid said, but you do need to understand the way you're going to get through it. Whether it's really hard and really tough or whether it's really awesome and wonderful, you're going to get through it with Jesus because he came to bring joy to the world. Stand with me this morning. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.